0: to anime club after dark the podcast delves into all things anime manga and otaku culture related i'm your host alex but you can call me senpai and joining me tonight i just have our wizard of wait what shinoda
1: tis a rainy day it is it's
0: we don't even live in the same place but i can tell you it's exactly like it is here welcome to summer in florida everybody (laughs) (laughs) but tonight Chinoda, you and I are going to be talking about something we have looked forward to for a while now. In fact, ever since the winter season, we've been talking about doing this. Yep. Uh, so tonight we are going to be doing a spoiler cast of the winter 2019 through spring 2019 anime known as Dororo. Now, Da-da-da. since this is a sp- Dororo, it's it's it's, it's Dororo's younger cousin. <weakest> Show, show made that joke multiple times during the run of this show that Dororo was Dorada's
1: cousin. God damn um, it. That's actually a beautiful joke. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, this, this is going to be a spoiler, cast, so we will be spoiling anything and everything you can imagine tonight. Um, I do want to say, though, before we get started, if you haven't seen Dororo yet and you don't want to be spoiled, first of all, I think it's it's... It's safe to say, noted that you and I both highly, highly recommend this series.
1: Seriously, if you haven't watched it yet, dear God, go watch it. Do not listen yes. to any of our spoilers. Yes, like go um, watch I, it. And it's I do want, I do want it. to
0: be specific. We're we're spoiling the 2019 remake of Dodo, not the original 1969 yeah. neither,
1: anime. <laughs> neither of us has seen the original or read the manga. Just for... no, we haven't. Reference
0: for yeah for reference we're just gonna be talking about the uh, 2019 Studio Mappa and Tezuka Productions remake of the original anime which is both of which are based on a, a manga by Osamu Tezuka aka the father of anime yeah. Uh, so yeah and with that himself. little yes and with that with that little thing out of the way let's get to the spoilers Shinoda because God God knows we've been looking forward to this for a while
1: oh boy yeah let's go all right
0: so i think a really great place to start is well surprisingly with the beginning um i think i want to talk specifically about how some of the characters are introduced uh in this in this story uh because i think the two main characters of this anime hyakimaru and dororo are introduced perfectly i i don't i don't i honestly can't think of a way that they could have been introduced better
1: it was especially, really natural,
0: especially Hyakimaru. Like he, he's almost introduced as a living doll kind of character because he has no, he has no limbs, he has no face, he has nothing, and he's introduced. It's like this badass who's had to learn how to live with a disability.
1: More than a disability, the disability. Well, yeah,
0: many, many, many
1: disabilities. <laughs> Like, I'm going to say this straight up. Like, you have to ignore thinking about his body if you want to just enjoy it, because otherwise you're just going to be like, he shouldn't be alive. Like, there's no way, possibly, he should be alive.
0: No, and I mean, and he, he's he's sort of introduced before then, because you actually get to witness his birth, and it, it, the birth is his his mother is having difficulties in labor and the, um, the Lord of this domain that he, he lives in goes to what's known as the hall of hell to basically plead to demons to, you know, take whatever they want from him so that the land that he owns or rules over, which has fallen on some hard times can, you know, be prosperous again. And what they end up taking from him is all of these limbs and senses and everything from his firstborn child who would be his heir.
1: Wait, they did that before... He did that before Uh, they- she was giving childbirth, though.
0: I know, I'm just saying that that's... It's, it's what you see before... Yeah, oh, Hakimaru no, is sorry. technically introduced twice. Yeah.
1: Sorry, like, you said that in a weird way, like... Um...
0: Yeah, I, I probably should have done it the other way around, yeah. but... Like, Hakimaru is... It's technically introduced twice because you actually see his birth, but then there's a huge time skip and then you see him again when he's, you know, learned to live with how he was born. Which I thought was an interesting choice. Like, if you had just introduced Hakimaru the way he was, like, in... You know, when he first meets Dororo, I don't think it would have been nearly as buoyant. Because you know, when you see yakimaru the second time, but this is the same child that was essentially given up. Like, right? because he was born without skin or eyes or a nose or anything.
1: A literal sacrifice to the demons.
0: Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I mean Daigo said, take whatever you want. So. That's what they I... did. Be careful what you wish for, man. <laughs> you just might get it. But yeah, I, I thought that, that that was, story-wise, I thought that was great. Um, And then seeing him again when he's sort of grown up and he has this, these, like, um artificial limbs and stuff that he uses to fight with. First of all, can we just, can we just say for a second that the sword hands were pretty damn cool?
1: Oh, right, that was, like, seriously badass. Like, I was just looking at those. I'm like, holy shit. Like, that doesn't seem terribly effective. But then you see him go in and use them, and it's like, oh, yeah. he literally uses them to essentially their full effect. It's He's not just killing. It's more of an art form that he is doing. Yeah, pretty
0: much. Not bad for someone without eyes.
1: Lacking all <laughs> senses, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the only thing he, he can see... But it's just, like, they, they term it the fire of the soul in the show, which I thought was a great way to put it. Like, he can see the aura of life around him. So I think the show has it to where if they're, if they're basically good people, they have, like, this white hue to them. Um, if they're demonic or they have evil in their hearts, they have, like, a shade of red. And then there's other there are, there are other colors you see. There's green, uh, blue... Um, it's never really explained explicitly what those colors are.
1: Uh, green is plant life, and blue is just uh natural life, if I remember right. Hmm. Well, I, I was curious about that because in in a later
0: portion of the story, you see, um, one of, uh, uh, well, fuck it, what was Yakimaru's brother called? I can't remember now. Oh. Um. What? Taomaru. Taomaru. Yeah. Um, you see one of his uh, underlings, the, the samurai that are with him all the time. You see the, the weapon that he wields is outlined in blue, and I'm thinking maybe it's made out of wood? I don't know. I just thought it was weird that something that doesn't have any life to it would be even visible to him, but maybe it is.
1: Um, I mean, they showed uh, repeatedly um, other things that have... Uh stuff like that. So I think that's where it's based off of. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Fair enough. Um and then the second half of the, the the titular character herself, uh Dororo's introduction I think was was perfect as well because within a few minutes you can kind of see where Dororo's coming from without having to you know a tell lot her about personality. her personality.
1: You can tell what she's like, you can tell what she's about to do all within the first 5 minutes of she's a grifter.
0: Yeah. I mean that's that's she's a grifter. She's basically just a homeless grifter.
1: You can literally tell everything about her in the first 5 minutes, but there's so Who much steals. more to her.
0: She steals shit. Yeah. She does like- what she has to <laughs> she's survive.
1: Fucking st- trying
0: to sell stolen
1: merchandise <laughs> in the same city as well. From what it In seems the like. same like, city it was stolen from. <laughs> that takes some serious balls.
0: Yes, and then passing them off as like fucking like premium wares it from the she, capital. She I was, think is she,
1: the. Uh, she was trying to be a little salesman. I, I have to give it to her. She was capitalist. People, people were actually like paying attention to her. Like, oh, really? Like, that's mm-hmm. like, impressive. <laughs> It's
0: like those carnival barkers, they notice that you have your eye on something, and it's like, hey, I'll throw in this dried fish! It's like, oh, you little salesman. I, I love that introduction, because within, like, five minutes, you get an absolute complete picture of who Dororo is supposed to be.
1: Yeah. And I everything else on top of better. that only expands on that, and... Oh, yeah. ...grows her character. It, you don't have to uh find out little things here and there along the way. You see well, it I, I, happening.
0: I also love that when Doro meets Yakimaru for the first time and she sees him like BTFO that demon thing, um her first reaction is, Hey, I bet we could go around making money doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah, like not even the initial shock of like uh Holy shit! Demons are real, and they kill in yeah. absolutely <laughs> horrifying ways. No, not even all that. Like, I bet money. we could
0: monetize this. <laughs> I it tells you all you need to know about Dororo, and I, I like the, I like the fact that this this the story very very early on is um, framed as a hero's journey which is what it in what it is what that's exactly what it is. I mean, you can call this a shonen. Uh, I think it actually is listed as a shonen on my anime list. It is. Um it's a hero's journey is what it is. Um it's listed samurai is a genre. What? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I I'm not even going to argue with it. Like Mal has some really weird genres. Apparently demons is a genre too. Mm. <laughs> um but I, I like how very early on this is framed as a hero's journey and as it progresses, it becomes very, very obvious that's what it is because you watch these two main characters grow throughout the course of the story and you start to notice that very early on. Uh, so early on, in fact, I think, what was it, the the second real, uh, the, like the second major story arc is uh, where they meet Mio. Yeah, was that the second that was major? Or was that the first? Oh, no, it was. was a... It was episodes. It was episodes five and six. But it was really the second major story arc. Um, what was before? The, oh, I will say, I will say the Bandai story was really good because that's where you meet the. Uh, that's where you well, you see the the priest character in the first episode, but you really meet him in the second episode. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, I can see. How can the we? Second can arc.
0: we talk about him for a second? Okay the priest character because uh so um although when we started this out we said that we had never seen both of us had never seen the original anime nor read the original manga just because uh, we
1: haven't seen or read it doesn't mean we didn't do our research
0: <laughs> we did do we did do a little bit of research i i did um so apparently he in number 1 in the original anime he was never even given a name uh so that's something that's changed uh also in the uh, original manga, he has a slightly larger role in the story than he does in this anime. However, uh, I really, I want to talk about the fact that uh, when the way he's introduced in the story, especially in the second episode, I thought, Hmm. All right. This, this character is just going to be around for a couple episodes. It's going to be a minor, minor character. I never envisioned that he'd be a recurring character.
1: I personally thought, like, hey, it's a character. And, like, uh, we see him, we saw him on the first episode. I thought, okay, he'll probably uh, make an appearance again here and there. I didn't think he'd be a major character, but it turns out he actually is. Oh, yeah. I, just,
0: I, I thought his, like, story arc was, was pretty good. Um, I like how he, he's sort of like this traveling wise man who
1: just shows up whenever he's needed. That is one thing that I sort of feel off about the fact that a lot of his character felt very expositional and that's mm. like really all there is to him at least in the 2019. Well, you know,
0: well, do you notice how um there were some there were some episodes of the show where there was an actual narrator? Yes. I'm assuming that's supposed to be him that's narrating it. It was a different voice though, right? It was a, it was a different voice. you're absolutely right. However, I still feel like it's meant to be him, maybe an older version of him, even though he's already old already.
1: possibly like him as uh. the as the person who witnessed this story happening. Yeah,
0: yeah, sort of like how it, it, this is sort of a spoiler for, um, Gurren Lagann, but how it's revealed at the very end that Simone is the one who's been narrating the whole story. Huh. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of the sort of vibe that I got that there's someone in the story that's narrating it in the past tense. Because I- anytime this narrator hap- was on was talking, it's always it always. Pretty much started with the phrase back in
1: those days. Maybe. Honestly. I'm not, I'm not sure. It, it's quite possible. Hmm. I don't think so. I don't know. But he was yeah. an, he wasn't he he was an interesting character
0: though, the priest. I liked him a lot. I, I certainly like I I never expected him to become a recurring character.
1: Yeah. Like initially I was just uh a little bit off put and thought Oh, they're just gonna use him as an expositional. But no, he actually ha- does have personality to him and a little bit of wit. Like he—he he mm-hmm. was a good character, still.
0: Yeah, I. It is. He's the he's the quintessential wise old man. Yeah. <laughs> Which I liked. Always I'm turning have that. into one of those. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, The old man part. I don't know about the wise part, but I'm definitely turning into the old man.
1: I'll I'll <sighs> agree with you on that. <laughs> Wow, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, since we uh, hit up on it a little bit, Mio, the second major Mm. arc.
0: Yeah, yeah, the second really major arc. um, I would say it's certainly uh, one of maybe a couple of different turning points in the show. Um, And it also brings up probably the first real moral conundrum of the story. Uh, Well, the first of them several, I would actually say, um, in that Dororo and Hakimaru end up meeting this uh, woman who is caring for a bunch of orphaned children in this, I guess, like a burned-out temple, burned-out old temple at the top of a hill. Yep. And um, throughout the the course of them staying there, they find out that in order to... Uh, help these children survive in order to care for them. She's basically prostituting herself out every night yeah. to make money. Specifically and...
1: Dororo was the only one that discovered it. Well, I'm sure yeah. um, what's his name? Bivamaru. Is that how you say it? Yeah, the priest. Yeah, the priest, um he shows up, I and he picks up on things real quick. I'm sure he knew. Oh yeah,
0: I'm sure I'm sure he understood too. Um, but yeah, Dororo is the only one that actually sees it first hand and uh it also it's also worth pointing out it. it's the first person that uh Hyakimaru forms any kind of like uh or shows any kind of response to because the very this this happens right after he regains his hearing
1: and a genuine it, attachment the, because her voice sounded so beautiful to him, and he was yeah it's nothing like he's ever experienced before. Yeah, and, and he and fell and in well, love with it. And
0: regaining when regaining your hearing, like, because there, there are people out there who are, like, born deaf, who, in real life, I mean, who, because of certain surgeries and stuff, will regain their hearing later in life. And there's a lot of them I have heard of who have a similar reaction to uh, Hyakkimaru, where everything seems very, very loud to them. And that's that's exactly what happens to Hyakimaru when he regains his hearing. Like he has a hard time adjusting to it because I can everything only imagine, seems so
1: loud. I can only imagine the type of migraine he had.
0: Yeah, um, that is something else that that um, I think this story does really well as Hyakimaru is regaining his limbs and his senses and everything. I think it does a really good job of portraying portraying the trauma that would cause someone to suddenly go from having like no sense of pain to having a sense of pain. From having no sense of smell to having a sense of smell. From going from uh, having no sense of hearing to having a sense of hearing. I thought it it portrayed... Because you could tell that he was very distressed by regaining some of these senses.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, The fact that he managed to survive the trauma of uh mm. gaining them back is it speaks on to his own strength honestly mm.
0: oh yeah for sure it's certainly a strength of character um and the fact that he was able to overcome this uh but that the fact that he, he hears mio's song and that's the only thing that he's able to really focus on and listen to without having to cover his ears because everything seems so loud. And it's the first real person that Hyakimaru like has any kind of connection with. And it's made all the more feelsy by him having to witness her get killed by a bunch of wandering samurai.
1: Not wandering samurai.
0: What? Well okay they're not they're not technically wandering Samurai, but they're not doing what they're doing because their Lord told them to do it um
1: not specifically their Lord, but they're like acting commander
0: they well here's the thing she was she was being a prostitute for both sides in a war and they one side found out that they she was servicing men on the other side. And they took this as to mean that she could have been a spy.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure they weren't acting on orders from anyone. Because they seemed to just gang up spontaneously on her. But No,
1: they, they were following I, if you think orders, about it, if I if remember you th- right. If you
0: think about it, though, what they were doing was pretty smart. Like, if you thought that someone was using, was was prostituting themselves to both your soldiers and the enemy's soldiers, that would be a great way to spy on people.
1: Oh, no, it absolutely uh, is, and it's been something that's happened all throughout history, so, like, Mm -hmm. what, from their perspective, they were just uh, taking care of a potential security leak, like, it's... yeah.
0: But this 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 whole thing brings up really one of the first moral conundrums of the show, as I mentioned earlier. Because S- Mia was not doing what she was doing because she enjoyed it. Or not even because she was doing it for her own self-interest. She was doing it to help take care of the orphan kids that had come under her wing.
1: Yeah. I mean, and she was doing it, it to survive, and like, yeah. I can understand that. And it. to help the kids survive. And help the kids survive, because... They're, most of them were crippled. There's no way they could have yeah. uh, survived on their
0: own. Yeah, many of them were missing limb, at least one limb. Um, but the, it brings up the question of, is it worth it to sacrifice your livelihood for the livelihood of others? And it's it's an interesting moral conundrum that many people throughout history have faced.
1: It's a tough question and- that, like, it all... It's so it doesn't have an overall answer. It just depends on what circumstance and uh all that. In this circumstance, it, it, it involved uh little kids and like more than anything, kids deserve the chance to live and yeah, you know, grow up to do something. Now, I, I want to ask you something.
0: Do you think because none of these kids that she was taking care of were her, were her own kids? Yep, They were all orphans that she found and brought together. Would it change anything if the kids that she was taking care of were all her own kids? Would that make it a more clear-cut moral decision?
1: I think it would. I think it would be even more uh, clear-cut because, and this is something we've always known throughout history, a mother will do... anything Anything. at all I mean anything to watch her kids survive and grow up healthy like Mm -hmm. the lengths they will go is unimaginable for so many people yeah so and that well that's
0: that's something else that's kind of touched on not necessarily in this story although it is slightly but throughout the the like the whole story of Dororo it's touched on especially towards the end because you see what Dororo's and Tohomaru's mother actually goes through to make sure that uh not Dororo uh Hyakimaru and Toharu's Toh Tahomaru easy for me to say <laughs> um mother goes through to make sure that Hyakkimaru can have a chance at living Mm -hmm. because deep down she knows that while he may have been born of
1: demons, it's still her child. Hell, she even uh, became a hypocrite uh, of her own words. A huge hypocrite. She said, I I will uh, do what I must for the land. But then she straight up uh, goes back on that and is like... I'm a mother first and foremost, and I will do whatever it takes for my uh, child. And it's like it's yeah, it,
0: it's depressing. But, again, though, that goes back to what you what you said that we have. It's been shown time and time again throughout history that mothers will do anything for the well being of their own children, and it's it's just another example of it. And I thought I thought it was brilliantly, brilliantly shown, especially towards the end of the show, uh, with what happened with uh, Hyakimaru and uh, Tahomaru's mother.
1: Oh, it was. I'm, I'm still upset she wants, about it. She wants,
0: she wants so badly to be able to save them both, but deep down she knows that she can't.
1: I'm still of the I don't... opinion that she could have saved uh Herself and uh, her son, but, you know, that, that, that's...
0: I don't know. I don't know if she could have. I, it's, it's it's an interesting thing to think about, but I'm not sure if she could have. I certainly don't think she could have been able to live with herself. But I don't think... I certainly don't think she could have saved both Hyakkimaru and Tahomaru. Because Tahomaru had become so antithetical to what Hyakimaru was
1: he did but he changed uh, pace uh, in a, after a while
0: oh yeah certainly after he got stabbed by Hyakimaru at the end
1: okay well yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> nothing like a fucking sword to the heart to change your mind Oh man, I'm getting, we're getting slightly ahead of ourselves. So we're going straight to the end of the fucking show. Um, yeah, the, the, the arc with Mio, the two episode arc there with Mio, I really, really loved it. Um, and also something else we got from that. Um, so during that, that two episode arc, um, Hyakimaru also fought a demon that ended up biting off one of his own legs. Um, the an actual leg that he had already recovered from the demons and uh so what he gets instead is he gets his voice back and one of the things that the uh priest guy says actually says this to uh Dorodo right after this whole battle happens because he sees in Hyakimaru the the what's sort of happening to him as he's going through this journey and as he's slaying these uh, demons to get his body back. He says the phrase, you better hope the beast that comes out of the cave isn't a monster, referring to Hyakimaru being like a bear that was in a cave hibernating. And you better hope that what comes out isn't a monster. And it's like, I, I relate this to like your typical revenge story in the sense that a lot of people who go on these revenge, like rampages, end up becoming the very thing they despise in the course of it. And the priest is basically saying, "You better watch out, or he's going to become the demon that he's trying to slay." It's good. It's a really good. Uh, it's a really good phrase to sort of drive that home.
1: It really is, and uh, it's not just. Uh... And it's not just him becoming one, but of the choices he makes, whether to become a human or demon and how he goes about Mm -hmm. doing things. And this 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 repeatedly shows itself over and over until the very last episode. Even you just can't tell what he's going to do and what route he's going to go. Like
0: well, and it's almost as it as the story progresses, and as he's slaying more and more of these demons and getting more and more of his body back, you can almost sense it in in Hyakkimaru where he's almost it's like an increased bloodlust the further he goes on this journey.
1: You can see that he gets more angry, more uh, and less uh, less hesitant about what he wants. He knows what was done to him, and he wants what is his. Yes. Even though yeah. the price of it is like, well, untold. It's it's it, it, it it's
0: portrayed very well in the question that keeps getting asked of him. Why do you want your body back? Because it's mine. That's the that's the only answer he always gives. Why do you want your body back? Because it's mine. Yeah,
1: and you know it's that a, is
0: that's a good enough that should be a good enough reason for anyone, right? I mean, why do you want your autonomy?
1: Because it's mine. Yeah, but. In this case, it was more than just his. What what he was, uh, what he had to give in exchange is the lives of who knows how many people and a whole land's uh, prosperity. And that's not something yeah. little. That's huge. Oh, for sure.
0: For sure. I mean, in it um, I, I I I'm pretty sure it was the priest who ended up saying this, saying that you have an entire land riding on one person, and it's like that's a big burden for one person to bear. I don't I don't think it's necessarily fair to put all that on one person, honestly.
1: <laughs> it's not fair at all. But what else? uh What else can you ask for? I don't know. And
0: that's another, it's another one of those moral quandaries. I mean, how much do you have to sacrifice for it to be enough? That's a good question, man. And speaking of sacrifice, this actually leads into another character. I wanted to talk about Dr. Jukai, the one that actually finds Dororo and gives him his artificial limbs and sort of trains him in sword fighting and everything. Um, when you see his flashback when he's, um, I think it's an episode five or four. Um, you see what he did before he became a doctor. He worked for a really tyrannical warlord named Sheba. And one of the things that he was responsible for doing was essentially crucifying, uh, soldiers of the enemy. And you actually see him doing this and, at some point, he realizes this isn't right. This is insane. And he sort of changes ways, becomes a doctor, and starts developing these uh, prosthetics for people to use that have lost limbs. And he does it as a way – He well, first of all, he does it as a way to sort of atone for what he's done, knowing full well that for all the sin that he's performed – he can't really atone for it unless he dies. Um, which is why I think that he goes around to all these battlefields where people have fallen and gives dead soldiers prosthetics. Because he knows that it's something that he can't, that he took all of this away from people in the past. So the only way he can atone for it really is through giving back what's already been taken from these other people. It's it's a really good redemption story.
1: It really is. And the fact that um uh, you see it, it happening eventually like is what the ultimate payoff is. But the journey to get there it, it was filled with so much so much discussion and so much um grief. That's what made it really excellent.
0: Yeah, that's you know that's something else I I generally loved about the story that was being told here is that almost all of the characters you meet throughout this story are uh, morally very gray. Like some of them do good things but for the wrong reasons, and some of them do bad things but for the right reasons. And it presents so many moral questions, like, well, what would you do in this situation? What would you do if you had this thrust upon you? I think the 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 Doctor Jekyll is is a really good example of that. Like if you had committed atrocities in the past, how would you go about living. atoning for them? <laughs> how would you even go on? Well, that, living yeah, with that. Yourself? Yeah, how would you go on living? And then how would you just try to atone for them? Um. uh what was uh, another really good one? was, um, Sabame, the, the, the crazy eyes, the frog man that you called him, <laughs> about how, like, he just, he wants to be a good leader for his people, but he doesn't know how, and so he turns to the demons to tell him basically how to be a good lord and how to be a, uh, uh, how to take care of his land. It's like, well, we'll take care of it. You just feed us.
1: And it's like, I mean, it's somewhat, somewhat, uh, understandable where, where he does what he has to do. But mm. you also have to question, like, why did he not think of alternatives? Like, why did it have yeah. to be him to, uh, to do that? Why couldn't he have uh, just given power to someone else instead? Yeah, well, that that kind of goes into um, what Daigo did
0: at the very beginning of the series, where he makes the deal with the with the demons. I mean, it, it's it's a big it's something big, but I guess we can talk about it. Do we? I mean, we got to talk about the morals of what he did. Let, let, let's get to that later. I say. No, no. I want to talk about this now because we're, we've mentioned okay. it. Okay. Um, so, I'm not a parent. You're not a parent, but I, I assume that if we were, we would. If we if we were considered good parents, we would want the best possible outcome for our children, right? I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> And I think that in Daigo's mind, that's what he was doing when he made the the deal with the demons, even though he did it for very selfish reasons. He wanted, because what he wanted most of all at the time, or at least that's what he said that he wanted, was not necessarily, he did want an heir, of course, but he also wanted prosperity for his land, which had been ravaged by famine.
1: And prosperity equals power.
0: And and prosperity definitely equals power, for sure. And power so was, he was doing all it for...
1: the rage uh, in those days. In the days of yes. having uh, lo- uh, lords,
0: so he's basically making a plea, like you know, give me what I want, take whatever you want from me, and we'll go from there. I don't think he factored in the fact that what they would take from him was his First the born heir child. that was being born. Yeah, I don't think that he yeah made that distinction and it's something that i think he eventually came to i'm assuming he eventually came to regret and it's even something in the later episodes where that where he's saying did i make did i make the right choice did i make the right choice because he says multiple times and through like the first half of the 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 show it's like well i'm a lord i don't make mistakes and then in the final episode he's like did i make the right choice all the way back then
1: and th- that's so what's interesting. It's not a. He the wrong thing. He's not uh, some black and white character. Even he is a thinking person who questions himself.
0: Well, yeah. It's almost like in, in the in the very beginning of the story, he's almost presented as this like stereotypical moustache twirling villain who's only in it for himself. And he may indeed only be in it for himself. But as the show progresses and you learn more and more about his character, he almost becomes a very sympathetic villain. Because he, he was a person who felt like his back was up against the wall and he didn't have anywhere else to turn. So he turned to the most convenient, um, I guess, scapegoat, for the lack of a better term, that he could by making a deal with the demons.
1: I wouldn't say scapegoat, more the most convenient choice possible.
0: Maybe. Well, and they say that people who are desperate make the most convenient choices they have, so... I, and if he felt desperate enough to do that, I guess he must have been pretty desperate.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we saw what the land was uh, turning into and what it turned to at the end of the anime. Mm-hmm. So you can only take a guess at how bad it was beforehand, before uh, Hiyakimaru oh, yeah. was born. Oh yeah yeah yeah.
0: It, it, I mean it's kind of hinted at that that it had been this way for a little while. And it
1: may, it does make me wonder though. Like it really does. Why did people stay there? You can just pack up and move. And move. Seriously. Especially if
0: you had power and money like Diago did, you could just pack up and move. And I guess in that day there I guess back in those days cuz this takes place during the Sengoku period um the The thought was, well, you have to defend your
1: land because it's yours. Yeah, which which is always understandable, but when the whole land is has gone to shit and people are dropping left and right, like you should probably pick up a hint to like GTFO. Maybe, but then again, maybe it's like the the same
0: thing that Hakimadu says when they when people ask, "Why do you want your body back?" Because it's mine. You could ask Daigo the same reason. Why do you stay here? Because this land is mine.
1: It's it's quite possible. I do wish like they talked about it, but they never got around to all that. Which is no. I just
0: think it's it's. Well, moving back then was a bigger deal than it was today.
1: But anyway, they I had mean, less materialistic really... stuff, though.
0: I think I don't know. I don't know how realistic that would be though in the time of the samurai because it was a very violent time.
1: Yeah, filled with bandits and so many different dangers. Yeah.
0: That's a really good that is a really good segue. Thank you so much for saying bandits, because now I want to talk about what we found out in episode nine. When <laughs> we find when the Episode nine is a huge flashback to Dororo's mother and father. Um, and whose uh, father is a leader of, they called it a band of brigands, which is basically a band of outlaws. Um,
1: And they were, they were trying to do good by people is what, what they were attempting to do,
0: which was, uh, they were, they were certainly trying to do, they were certainly trying to do good by each other for, for sure.
1: Without a doubt. Um,
0: because they had this philosophy of, you know, um, basically all for one, one for all kind of mentality. Which, in and of itself, is kind of an honorable mentality, especially when you have multiple people working for you, but, um, I'm really, I'm episode nine, I think, was probably, it was a really good episode, um, and it's, it's probably the only time I've ever said that about an episode that is almost entirely a flashback, because it's, it's something I've criticized anime for doing far too often, is utilizing, over-utilizing flashbacks, um, Naruto. Uh, <laughs> but I think this is done really really well. I also love the fact that anytime you see a flashback in this show, it's in black and white. I don't know if you noticed that, but anytime it was a flat, I don't well, it wasn't specifically black and white, but it was like a monotone color. Um I thought that was an interesting art like art direction choice um on their part. But getting to learn about Dorodo's mother and father, I think, lent a lot of credence to Dororo as a character. Especially seeing what she grew up in and what she had to come from. Because she had to watch both her mother and her father uh, die. Father got killed while raiding, uh, while raiding bandits, raiding another village. Um, and then Dorodo's mother died of starvation, which is a terrible way to go, by the way.
1: Oh, uh, it was absolutely horrifying. Um, especially the fact that
0: they're both betrayed by who is portrayed to be um, Dorodo's mother and father's best friend, Itachi. Who the fi- the second I learned that his name was Itachi I was looking at his eyes like Itachi? Really?
1: Oh my god
0: <laughs> Itachi you've aged <laughs>
1: you Become much more of a scumbag um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: And much more of a scumbag <laughs> um, But yeah it, Being betrayed by your best friend um, I I um, it's a hell of a thing, and then the, the, the amazing thing about that is we learn later that, uh, Dororo's mother ends up, like, they become homeless grifters, which is what Dororo is, and when you first meet her, and, um, they're kind of wandering to and fro, basically begging for a subsistence, and they end up going to this, what is kind of shown to be a soup kitchen of, led by samurai um which was a little weird but the person they run into kind of uh orchestrating this thing is itachi and i thought it, the the thing about her holding out her hands to take boiling soup into her hands to feed the doro was like a really powerful moment it's a, that's what i mean by you know mothers will do anything for their children She didn't have a bowl to put the soup in. She puts out her hands in like this bowl shape and then they just dump hot boiling fucking stew into her hands. And then Dorodo just drinks it out of her cupped hands as they're sitting there. The skin's getting burnt on there.
1: And like watching that, it was just seriously depressing. Like, holy shit.
0: Yeah, I but that's another that's a mother's love, man. It doesn't get no more no more powerful than that. It really doesn't. And then right after, of course, she doesn't take any of the food. She gives it all to Dororo. And then the last time you see her is they're going, they're kind of traveling to the next village. And you see her, they're going by the uh, the, the field of spider lilies. I did some research. And I found out that in, in like, Japanese culture mythology, spider lilies are referred to as flowers of the afterlife. How poignant is it that she falls down and collapses to her death of starvation in a field of spider lilies? The fact that... I saw it was was good, man. That's some good symbolism right there.
1: It was really good symbolism, but at the same time, like, wow. They really had to do all that. Make Mm -hmm. it that depressing.
0: And then... And then we find out in another flashback that Dororo's father went and hit a bunch of fucking money. Like, and enough for that's what that's really basically what,
1: matter, too, is the crazy part.
0: That's kind of what a lot of the second half of the story is dedicated to. It ter- sort of turns into a treasure hunt, really. We find out that um, Dororo's father had essentially tattooed a half of a map onto the back of uh Dorado's mother and then I don't know exactly how they did it, but Dorodo has something on her back which um when her skin is heated up it reveals the other half of the map. I they didn't really explain how that was done. Some sort of it was a genius way to hide it. I sort of am assuming that it, well, it has to be like heat reactive because the only time you saw it was when was when Dorodo was like the first time you saw it was in the hot spring, and the second time you see it is when Dorodo's back is to a fire. Um, what an ingenious way to hide a map, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this. A lot of the second half of the story is dedicated to this sort of treasure hunt, where, um, and and Itachi knows about this. And it's sort of like a race to see who can get the treasure first. I thought it was an interesting like twist on on the story where it, it becomes sort of this monster of the week kind of thing to let's go find the treasure while fighting demons along the way. I don't know. It was, it was a sort of tonal shift, but I think it was a tonal shift in the story that worked. It was
1: really natural is what, what helped it out.
0: It did. It did seem very natural. Um, especially once they got to the Cape where the money was um, was hidden, and you sort of had three different factions all at one time. Although one of the factions wasn't even aware of the fact that there was money on this island.
1: Yep, it was just a uh, because another uh, demon and his human. Well, it, their human, I should say. Sh- should we talk about Shark Boy a little bit? Oh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> no Lava Girl, just Shark Boy. <laughs> Um, I'm kind of surprised we didn't get a
0: lava. Oh, girl. that would
1: have been hilarious! But I, uh, it would have also like been breaking a lot of things. I would have, I would have been a little bit annoyed. Um, so one of the two of the demons were sharks, and they specifically had a human <laughs> that helped them, and they actually had a bond with this human. It was, and it, this was all during the treasure Heart arc. It was really interesting uh, how how they showed off the relationship between that human and the demons. It's like they actually...
0: Can I say something about that? Okay. So they said the word shark a lot in the two episodes that revolved around uh-huh. this. And every time they said the word shark, this will tell you the kind of person oh, I Oh, God, am. I know where you're every going. Every single time they said the word shark, I just kept thinking of Sumigui's yep. song from Sweetness, and I'm like, same, 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 same. <laughs> oh man, I'm a terrible person.
1: God damn it.
0: Anyway, I, I
1: like I like the fact that, that Shark
0: Boy was batshit
1: crazy. He was, but at the same time, like you saw where he was coming from. He had a actual relationship with these sharks. Demon sharks yeah. for fuck's sake. And like it was really cool.
0: He was certainly more torn up about the fact that they died than anyone else. Hell, he wasn't even broken up about his own death. He re- he really wasn't. Like all he cared about were those sharks. And I like how, I like I like how um one of the sharks, you have to like one of the sharks only took like six swords to the gut and just killed over dead, and the other one
1: took like forever to die. Well, we saw once uh once one of the sharks died, the other one actually ate it and uh became even stronger out of uh anger. Yeah. And you know, feeding this on is another cannibal demon. shark,
0: man. Don't don't piss off cannibal shark.
1: And like you saw it uh, gaining a full demon form. That was terrifying, yeah. let me tell you.
0: Yeah, and then walking on land. That was even more terrifying. God, when sharks can walk on land, we're all fucked. <laughs> we are fucked when that happens. Um, but yeah, I actually, I really like that. Um, that whole arc when they're on like the—it's not really an island, but it's a cave or cove. a cape, cove. Yeah, cove. That's yeah. There you go. Um, the only way to get to this part of the cove is by boat, though, because the land is too hill, uh, craggy and rocky. Um, I I thought that was really well done. I thought for what was pretty much a um a monster of the week kind of thing, they did a really good job with making the sharks pretty fucking terrifying and upping the st- certainly upping the stakes with the sharks. The,
1: there was a um, there was a I, I, I thought it did danger. a really. With them more than anything. I thought, I thought that,
0: I thought that did a really good job because at this point in the story, Dodo and Ikakimaru had been separated, and I thought the way that story, that storyline played out was a really
1: great way to bring them back together. It really was. Like you, you've seen uh, them go up against some uh, demons before, and like they, they, they make it out uh, fine. Like sometimes a bit hurt, mm-hmm. but like the, they end up fine. But this time they're separated and Dororo really relies on Hyakimaru for a lot of things. They rely on each other for mm-hmm. a lot of things obviously. The relationship goes both ways, but Dororo relies on him for safety first and foremost. Mhm. And without yeah. him there it was actually there was some serious tension. It's like what the hell was going to happen? Yeah,
0: it was well, certainly up the stakes, as I said, that it, it's like, all right, guys, this is starting to look pretty grim. People are dropping like flies. <laughs> and people were. Like, like, all of Itachi's crew end up dead, including Itachi himself. Although he does, his last request is to take do take me to this fucking treasure. I want to see it. Like
1: I don't even give a shit. I'm gonna die. Just I want to at least see it with my own eyes before I die.
0: You know, it, it's it's funny because like even the Itachi was not really a huge character, but the story arc that he had, most of it through flashbacks, um, was really good because it shows that everything he does. He becomes blinded by greed, like the the whole reason that he betrayed Dorodo's mother and father, and originally was because of greed. He didn't think he was getting paid enough, so he goes to one of the rival groups. I think it was actually a, like a samurai. No, clan it, it, or it something. was the it was the
1: samurai uh, that he went to. Okay, the specific lord that yeah, they were occupying told, the territory of.
0: Yeah, and told told them that they were about to attack. And uh, all because he didn't think he was getting paid enough, um, and then he ends up dying on that cove, and he knows that he's about to die, and the last thing he can think of is, "I need to see this treasure." I, I can. It's like his entire life, he's been blinded
1: by greed. I, I can respect him for that, though. Like he knows what he's about, and he died as he lived. I, I mean, it, he
0: he didn't become a hypocrite at the end. You can definitely say that. It's like, I'm dying. I never cared about that treasure anyway. <laughs> it's like, nope, take me to the treasure. I know I'm bleeding now, but fuck that.
1: <laughs> that that gave credence oh, to his man. character. I appreciated that.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it was definitely played out really well. I'm kind of glad that he didn't really get redeemed at the end. He was still the same greedy bastard he always was, even at the end. And even like the last thing he sees is th- is mountains of fucking money and he he just smiles <laughs> dies yeah <sighs> now then um, and i i tell you i tell you that the thing that i never I, I i had a suspicion that what was in that cave might not have been like actual money based on what the priest had said because he sees the map on Dororo's back and says this can like change worlds and change people and I'm like is this some kind of power that's been hidden away
1: I would have been like really thrown off if that's what it came out to be but I'm glad it was just like money
0: oh yeah it makes it certainly makes it more relatable to the average viewer (laughs) it's like well yeah you can change a lot of lives with this money Okay, so I, we're getting towards the end here. I I do want to talk about one thing. So this story has, or the, this anime has one, I would say, one breather episode in it. And that's episode 19, where they go to... Uh, Hayakimaru breaks his swords, and they need to get them re- reforged. So they go to a a village that has, like, a master swordsmith in it. And they want to get the the swords reforged. And they end up getting – Hyakimaru and Dororo end up getting cursed by this sort of, like, a a trickster or prankster. A trickster demon. Ghoul.
1: Or ghoul. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And um, I I, I wanted – first of all, I thought for what is essentially a breather episode, it was done really, really well. Because it does have some comedy in it that, you know, we hadn't seen so far. Um, I mean, there has been moments of comedy here and there, but this is the first time I can actually say the episode itself was kind of funny. Because it's so ludicrous what goes on in it. Um, But also that it, it does move the story along a little bit, even as a breather episode. And I also I also want to bring this up because the what the trickster ghoul does is curses them to say things that they don't mean, and there's a stand in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that does this exact thing. Are you serious? I am absolutely serious. It actually is in part five, which is uh, well almost finished airing now. Um, The stand is called Talking Head and it does almost this exact thing it it the the power is it causes people to lie
1: well all right then that is
0: so now i know where iraqi got this fucking idea for this stand
1: i mean it's quite possible (laughs) that it was an inspiration it really is
0: Hmm. i have i actually have no doubt that it might have been um but yeah, I, I really wanted to bring this up because number 1, it's a, it's a great it's a great um breather episode and also th- th- fucking JoJo's connection. Oh my god.
1: It, it uh I did like the breather episode because like one, it was it was a bit lighter than everything that's been happening and and what it's about to go into. It it was just a uh... Nice and easy. Uh, The pace was a little bit off because it was suddenly interjected in there, but again, it was still nice to have it there. And another thing, even though this is a breather episode, uh, a filler episode, uh, if you will, even though it's that, it still mattered because it showed uh, uh, Hyakimaru and Dororo's uh, relationship to each other, and it was actually really cool to watch that like even though it was a it's
0: almost it, it it almost like it forces them both
1: to realize what they mean to each other exactly like the episode itself was just whatever but the fact that it still had things in the episode that mattered even though it was a light episode mm-hmm. that like i really like that and i wish a lot more anime would uh, do stuff like that Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and I, and you use the word filler,
0: but I actually think this was in the original manga, so it doesn't. It's not technically filler, okay, not filler, then. but it feels like it could be yeah. filler. But in a good way, in a good way, yeah. not necessarily you think of filler. It's like no, Th-
1: this was a episode done this right is, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is definitely certainly a breather episode done right. But I also think its placement in this in the in the story is perfect because the pre uh, the yeah the preceding uh, five episodes is where everything just goes to hell in a handbasket really
1: quick. Yeah, like once that ball um, got that's rolling, get, it it did not stop. It only escalated.
0: Yeah, it's basically where, and, and of course, the very next one is the story of the Nue, which is where they go face like this chimera-looking beast. And that's where uh Dorodo witnesses Yakimaru kill this beast, and it's it's one of the only two times where they uh he defeats a demon and uh uh he doesn't get any body parts back. And it's when he realizes, oh, I gotta go back to Daigo's land to get the rest of my body back. But before he does, he beats the fuck out of this already dead demon. Yeah. And but it's, it was Dororo just mutilating a like,
1: corpse at that point.
0: Yeah. And, and Dorodo's like, oh god, he actually might be turning into the demons he despises.
1: And it was really interesting I, to watch because it's like... You got to see Hyakimaru really angry, and you're like, "Is he really about to go down that route?" Like, he's blinded mm-hmm. by his rage. Yep.
0: And then you go straight into basically what is the final battle, um, which I thought was a really it was really great. It took place basically for four episodes, and. The pacing of it oh, I it couldn't was have asked for perfect
1: better. My God. I,
0: I thought when I when I when I thought when I saw this and we're going to the final final stretch, I thought four episodes seems like a lot, but okay. And then I thought the pacing was just pitch perfect. Um the God, the Flaming Horse thing was pretty cool, oh my God. I'll be honest. Like,
1: we saw, uh, it was in the OP. It's a fucking Rapidash! We, it, it literally was! It was literally a Rapidash! Um, we saw the Flaming Horse in the OP and all that, but we didn't know exactly what the fuck or when it was gonna happen, or if it was just thrown in there for our confusion or whatever, but no, Mm -hmm. even the horse even the flaming horse had a fucking backstory and it's Mm -hmm. it's like holy shit they really went out there and did all this like I, uh, I have to say first and foremost older style writing definitely had something else going on for it because like they get details and like stuff like this really beautifully correct and I really like mm. that, but yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, we see uh, uh, we see Hiyakimaru and this uh, flaming horse uh, get together, and they proceed to get revenge—not
0: in a bestiality oh my kind God, of way.
1: Shut up! <laughs> um, they get together and they they start fucking shit up. Is like the only way I can put it because holy crap. It was like a storm yeah. moving through a battlefield. They were they could not be stopped. Uh, to say the least.
0: To say the absolute least. Um, I also like the fact that um, uh, during that battle with the flaming horse and uh Tahomaru and Hakimadu and t- what's his two henchmen's name? I can never remember what is. Hoga uh,
1: I think is uh, one of t- them.
0: Mutsu, Mutsu and Hyogo. Oh, Mutsu and Hyogo. One of them is an archer. The other one has like the big pummel that he just beats people to death with. Um, I like the fact that uh, Hyogo is trying to beat the horse, and the ho- a- after uh, he- the horse has been stabbed, <laughs> and the horse is like nah fucker, and just grabs his neck and rips his head off.
1: Yeah, it was. I'm like, holy! It fuck. was brutal. Like we've seen some absolutely brutal things in this anime, but when it when it showed that scene, I was just like, "Whoa!" That went out yeah. there real fast.
0: Can I also can I also say something else? Like when I was watching this, I find this very difficult to believe. This is on in the '60s. <laughs> like it's pretty fucking violent.
1: Probably because it was animated, helped it. Uh helped it uh i don't know this, that this, this
0: seems like something this seems like something it would be helpful to actually go back and watch the original anime to see if that one was not quite as violent
1: possibly we we would have to see but i don't know either way the the fact that they showed that it it was just like holy shit
0: yeah, well, and then the the final battle, you, I mean, you find out that Tahomaru and his two little henchmen, they went to the Hall of Hell and sort of made their own little deal with the demons. And so uh, one of the henchmen gets an arm, the other henchman gets an arm, and then Tahomaru ends up getting both of Hyakimaru's eyes, which that was a little weird, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> the three eyes on the same head. like a little, I was a little out there. It was, but it was really cool because... I oh, don't know, it just looked cool to me. Oh, the the way it was done, I think, was really good. Um, it just it looked weird. <laughs> um, but uh it's... And then, like, right on... Right as he is... Hyakkimaru comes back and he sees them and they both have... I mean, both of the henchmen have an arm and then Tahaumaru has now three eyes. He sees that those are all his. And he's like... You, you, you. Those are mine. I'm taking them with me.
1: Bye. And he proceeds to go into an absolute rage. Like, he was was mad before, but then he just loses it all. And, like, he doesn't see reason or, like, even, like, understand that he's fighting his brother necessarily. He's just, like, mine. Give it back now. And he's Mm -hmm. using the violent method to get it all back. And then how
0: how the um the finale brought together a lot of the uh recurring characters that we had seen throughout the show. It brought together Dr. Jukai, the priest, Dororo, Hyakimaru, uh, Tahomaru, Daigo. A um, lot of the main cast. And yeah. brought back the mother. Um for the life of me. I f oh I finally remembered what her name is. Uh uh yakimaru's mother uh nui no
1: kata that's a weird name but okay i know Uh, i know (laughs) um like
0: i think everyone just calls her nui though um but anyway uh bro i like how it brought all of them together back in the same place and then the priest is like this is must be what destiny feels like And I'm like, it's kind of what it feels like. It feels like this is a story that's been telling itself for so long that it needs to come to its own conclusion. I think it came to a conclusion really well, where you have the place burning in fire, and then you have uh, Hyakimaru and Tahomaru facing each other one-on-one, which I'm really glad it ended that way, because that's kind of how I wanted it to end. Something else that I haven't really uh, mentioned is that this show kind of portrays sword fights realistically in a sense and the fact that in reality most sword fights don't last more than 90 seconds
1: if, if not even less than that because oh
0: yeah They're, they yeah like anytime you see an actual sword fight and not like a play sword fight not where people are acting like an actual sword fight most of them last 90 seconds or much less yeah and you see that in, in Dodo, where most of the sword fights don't tend to last very long. I thought that was it was really good. I I wonder if part of that was because of like the limitations of the time the story was told. <laughs> Maybe? Uh but on the other hand it lends credence to a, a sense of realism. But I I'm trying to think if there's anything else story wise that we needed to talk about. We pretty much have gone over everything story wise. Um, I guess we can talk about like the final few scenes in this show. Um, where, uh, after defeating after after Hyakkimaru defeats uh, Tahomaato and gets all his entire body back, first of all, <laughs> when he first sees the sky and he's like sky pretty. And then he looks at Dororo and says, "Dororo, pretty."
1: He <laughs> was just super cute. Like uh Dororo was uh just blushing like, "Oh my god."
0: Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> uh and I thought that um when Hyakimaru goes after everything's all said and done and he goes back to the Hall of Hell, and he finds Daigo standing there, or sitting there, really. Um, I think Daigo assumed he was going to be killed by Hyakkimaru when he got there, and Hyakkimaru kind of raises his sword like he's about to run it through his neck. But then he doesn't. He actually stabs his helmet instead, and then just turns around and leaves.
1: And it was actually really telling uh, that he chose to do that. He... Like you see in the end, that's what he chose. He chose the path of being human instead of uh mm-hmm. turning uh turning the other way, turning into a demon.
0: Because everything before that was telling him to kill Daigo, and then he gets to the point where he can actually kill Daigo and he doesn't do it. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, he... um, thought it was a great way uh, I thought it was a great way to wrap up Yakimadu's character arc. I really
1: did. It was wonderfully done and like it 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 was a payoff to almost poetic. watch this journey that he went on and he finally uh chose what he was going to do.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And I I gotta, I got to I got to throw it out there like the final scene with uh what do you see dororo running across a bridge and then it's like flashes to adult dororo running towards hyakimaru i thought that was really good i think too. that was teenage uh, and the dororo, fact dororo. That, well maybe oh let's say older yeah, dororo. for sure
1: older uh,
0: much much older many many years older i also like the fact that um hyakimaru doesn't actually go back i kind of
1: hated that honestly i was like yo really you're like you said uh like you're going off to do something real quick and you just disappear all of a sudden instead of uh saying hey i have to figure things uh for myself now that now that i'm done with my journey i'll um i'll see you later no he just disappears on her and i'm like what the hell what the fuck I mean, yeah, I think a lot of this had to
0: do with something that they did change from the original story so the original story has um, instead of them having to defeat 12 demons, they have to defeat 48 um, obviously that doesn't happen in this one so I think part of the reason that they have this written into the ending is that it just made it very, it made it a lot easier to
1: wrap up <laughs>
0: in 24 episodes
1: um i mean for sure <laughs> like otherwise the pacing would have been really off and like you wouldn't feel like you were on a roller coaster i'm glad they chose to do it that way it definitely helped everything out and uh mm. they did it right is is the is the main thing to say they did it right and that's what mattered
0: yeah, it, it definitely feels like a good ending. You you can certainly see that a lot of these story arcs have been wrapped up. Um and that I I also like that it doesn't spoon-feed you an answer as to what happens to Dororo and Hyakimaru. It sort of leaves that open-ended to a certain degree to let you figure out what happens for
1: yourself. I like that. I wish it was a little bit more and It also like, well they show what happens, but at the same time it's like it's that, that that last that very last scene
0: sort of implies that they do meet again. Yeah, eventually. that
1: that's that is the thing. Like it does show that it it looks like they're going towards each other. Like it's not you, you can't say it for certain, but it definitely looks like it. And I do like that. Like that that definitely mm. makes it better. Like they do eventually get back together.
0: I think the best way to wrap up this spoiler cast is to talk about some of the more technical aspects of the anime. Oh boy. I want, well, I I, I do want to talk about the music. Um, I I love the score of the anime because uh, most of it was made using traditional Japanese instruments. I thought that was a really great choice. Uh, Certainly, lended to the atmosphere of the story being told.
1: It it was definitely beautiful, and And it sounded uh, of a much, much older style, which, which helped. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Um, and of course, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the OPs and the EDs. Um, Let me ask you something, Shinoda. Which OP did you prefer, the first or the second one?
1: I don't know. I really don't. They they're both good. So beautiful and. So well done, I really don't know which one I liked over the other. I gotta be honest with you i think
0: I think I really uh i really think I like the first one slightly more than the second one.
1: oh, uh, and for what reason is that?
0: I think I like the visuals
1: more in the first one than the
0: second one. I don't know just like the all the fire and that I mean, has that that hook line. Give me fire! I can't, I can't hit a high <laughs> note to save my life. But
1: no, it it, it was really nice, and uh, you certainly remember it. Like, I don't think we're gonna forget that song for a while. It it was memorable. mm Hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It, they're both great. Let's 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 leave it at that. They're both pretty damn um, good.
1: Another thing I want to um, add on uh, of the ED specifically. If you actually pay attention to it and you know you don't necessarily have to watch the ED every single time if you actually uh look at it but in this, yeah, case, in this you case, case you should you <laughs> should you actually see it change over time you see uh you're seeing it through the view of Hiyakimaru, and you see the details on the ED becoming more and more clear. They actually didn't release the full song with the visuals until the very end of the season. Hmm.
0: As a very interesting yeah. design choice, it was very interesting directorial choice. It was choice really sure. cool
1: that that's uh that's the way they decide to uh do things. I really like the fact that that's what they did. Yeah. Um.
0: I do want to say that, um, story-wise, like, some people have criticized this show for being a very formulaic, monster-of-the-week show, which I think is a fair criticism, but also in, in in terms of, like, old-style, old-school storytelling, I think this is a really good example of how good old-school storytelling could be. Like, yeah, it is the it is the monster-of-the-week formulaic thing, but it does it in a way where
1: they set it's... it up with a purpose. Like it wasn't just any monster. Yes,
0: that's what I'm trying to say that it has a, it purpose. wasn't
1: just like, Oh, random monster of the week. It's like, no, he is after a goal. And, uh, these monsters serve as the ones that have his goal.
0: Well, and something else I wanted to say is there's so many many of those old stories that have a Monster of the Week formula. At the end of every episode, a massive reset button is hit, and nothing from before really even matters anymore. So, but that doesn't happen with Dororo, because you see injuries that happen in previous episodes and previous fight carry over into the next fight.
1: Definitely, and
0: and that's something that you didn't see a lot with old-school storytelling like this, where it did have a Monster of the Week flavor like, to it. I
1: remember when uh, when uh, Hiyakimaru lost his uh, leg that he just got back. Uh, I was just like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. He just actually lost his leg. Are, is, he, is he not getting his leg back? But luckily...
0: Are you for real right now, bro? I really Bruh. was.
1: I was like, <laughs> oh my god, are you serious? But no, he...
0: <laughs> like bruh this isn't made of wood it's not gonna grow back like, man <laughs>
1: luckily he did end up getting it back but it easily could have gone in the direction of no he didn't get it uh doesn't get it back and it's just stuff like yeah. that is really cool
0: yeah i think it's a fair criticism to say that it does have a, mo- a very formulaic monster of the week uh structure but i think that it it in terms of those type of storytelling structures, I think this is an example of a story that does it right, where it doesn't hit a massive reset button at the end of every fight. Um, but something else that people have criticized it for that I think is a very fair criticism is it's animation. Okay. So this is one part where I think you and I definitely agree that we have to poo poo this a little bit. Yeah. Um, this is done by this is this was done primarily by Studio Mappa in conjunction with Tezuka Productions. Now, Studio Mappa has made some really good anime recently. Um, they made uh, last uh, twenty eight fall twenty eighteen Zombieland Saga, which we pretty much all here on the podcast really liked. Um, and then back in twenty sixteen, they make they made Yuri on Ice, um, which was pretty much universally acclaimed. And Studio Mappa has developed a reputation for having great quality storytelling um, with great animation in the first half of what they produce and then definitely cutting corners in the second half of shows they produce. And this anime is no exception. Following episode 12, you can definitely tell... In many, many spots where they were very definitely cutting corners with the animation. <laughs> Especially any scene where it was a wide shot that had characters in it. That it was basically outlines with no discernible details. And it's sad to see that. I'm sure that it will get cleaned up for a Blu-ray release. At least I hope it does. Um, this is definitely something I would like to own on Blu-ray for myself. Um... I definitely so I definitely hope it gets cleaned up a little bit for a release like that but it's also something that I I think you and I younoda both have to criticize map for, that they're they're starting to develop a habit of doing this
1: unfortunately I have to agree and you you really and don't, they did it they did it with and ice yeah, too you don't notice it too much uh, I will say that straight up you don't notice it that much but you do notice it little bits here and there and it, this is a one of those, like, like you have to be paying attention to notice it. Like, no. You'll just straight up notice it here and there, unfortunately. Which is...
0: The problem is, it's not even really subtle when it happens. Like, it's very noticeable when it
1: happens. Yeah, and that's that's what makes it even the more sad. Now, it's not like... Uh, it happens a lot in, like, the... in the big scenes uh, where... All no, that no, no, matters. no. It's just like it's, it's really in the yeah, smaller, it's in smaller scenes, smaller scenes, transition scenes, uh, wide shots, uh, scenes. It's in stuff like that where it doesn't matter as much. So I suppose that's some excuse for them, and I think that might not be too bad. But still, the fact that that's how they mm. um, that's how they chose to do it, it's a bit sad.
0: Yeah. So I, I, d- I definitely think we need to criticize it for that. Um, it definitely deserves it. Uh, overall, I would say the animation is... I'd give it like a 7 out of 10. Uh, it just has moments where it goes to... Let's, let's, let's be honest. It goes to PowerPoint levels. <laughs> um, which is really, really sad. Considering it's such a yeah. good story. But uh, this is, again, something that MAPPA is sadly getting a reputation for where in the first half of things they make it'll be really great animation and then after the halfway point they definitely are cutting corners. Uh, which I hope they stop doing that because they genuinely like the stuff that Mappa produces in terms of story stuff.
1: I hope so or maybe uh, uh. they should uh, partner up with uh, another studio for animations but
0: maybe or just contract at another studio to do stuff like in between animations although that
1: might cost even more money and yeah. who knows yeah
0: but I, aside, to, to wrap this up i'm going to ask okay. you a question Get, what's overall score out of 10 what would you give it <sighs> overall what what is dororo in your mind
1: i think it's a it's a solid 8 out of 10 for me i think because
0: it's exactly what I was going to say. S- uh, just a solid There were certain
1: things here and there that were that were downsides. But overall, especially that story. Oh, my God. That was amazing.
0: Yeah, I would say I would say if they, if they cleaned up the animation a little bit, I'd give it a nine. Oh, out of for 10. sure.
1: And and then there's like uh, there were the animations that were actually amazing when uh yakimaru was on the Mm -hmm. on the horse or when um he was just going off things like that it definitely it definitely helped uh helped the show and i really appreciated that
0: yeah
1: um it it's
0: good it's great uh i'm i'm glad so this is this is an a, a example of something we had talked about in a previous episode of the podcast about the brotherhood treatment and i think that overall this was a successful brotherhood treatment for dodo yeah it, it it was i i the only thing that could probably be improved is the animation as we said so I'm I'm glad that a new generation like myself, who never got to see the original Dororo or got to, or has gotten around to reading the manga, has gotten a chance to experience this now. I, I really hope that we can get more stuff like this in the future with these older manga and anime series getting the Brotherhood treatment like this. And hopefully, something else that I hope happens because of this is I hope that someone can pick up the license to the original Dororo anime so I can stream it legally. I'm hoping maybe someone like Sentai could, could pick it up. They, they did pick up the original Legend of Galactic Heroes OVA series and release it on a beautiful box set, which is a month's worth of rent for me. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'd like to see someone like them pick it up turn the original Doro into like a Blu-ray box set. Um and then maybe someone like Crunchyroll or High Dive or someone like them can pick it up to stream it. Mostly because I can't think of anywhere online I'd even be
1: able to watch this legally. Um well it's on Pro- Amazon Prime, but
0: No no I'm talking, no, I'm talking about the oh, original, the, original. Dororo, the from 1969. Okay, okay, yeah, sorry. That's what I'm talking I'm hoping that someone can pick that up and get it like a, a nice physical Blu-ray it release really would for that. Be, the original. 69 it would be nice one. if
1: that's uh, if they could do that because, like, I know for certain a lot of uh, a lot of people now want to like go check out the original just to see like the differences, even. Yeah, yeah,
0: and like I said, I'm not sure of anywhere you can watch it legally. If if it is, please let us know in the comments below because I don't know. Um... And also, if someone could, you know, get the manga, uh, like a new, maybe like an omnibus version of the manga, that'd be nice too. Hard to believe. I, after doing some research, hard to believe that this manga originally got canceled before it got finished. It got canceled before it got finished. What? It got it, yeah. It got it got canceled actually in the middle of doing the original anime. <laughs> It eventually moved to a different manga magazine and finished there, but it did get canceled in the magazine it started out in.
1: Still, that's a legitimate surprise. Like, holy shit.
0: It is. I was very surprised to find that out myself. I think with that, though, we can definitely say that this spoiler cast for Doro is over. So thank you out there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast you can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. If you want to keep up with what we're doing you can join us on Discord, Facebook, Twitter, and our website. Shoot us an email if you have any questions or if you have ideas for topics you would like for us to talk about in the future. Links to all these things will be down below in the description. As always I have been your host Alex and I will see you Next time, second night, Jota.
1: Thank you for joining us, everyone.
0: Give me fire. I can't hit high notes.
1: Please don't try
0: again. <laughs> Light it up, baby. <laughs> <laughs>